Unlock me! Unlock me! I'm not gonna swear, okay? You know what I'm saying? Um, no. It's Mark Grody on 670 The Score. Oh, hi, Mark. Hi there. One minute, please. One minute. One minute here. Logging in on a couple things here. And now I'm ready. And I know... I know you are excited about today because today is Selection Sunday. It's all going down right after Illinois plays Ohio State in the Big Ten Tournament Championship game. And then tomorrow, this is a heck of a week we've got because tomorrow begins the legal tampering period in the National Football League. That's right, 48 hours where teams like the Bears can contact and they can, if they so choose, enter into contract negotiations with agents of players who will become unrestricted free agents. Just no specifics. You can look, but you can't touch. I know that doesn't line up exactly, but when I say that, you know what I mean. When I say that, you can look, but you can't touch. That's sort of what the tampering period is. It's so weird. I know. It's bizarre. All you need to know is that free agency starts on Wednesday. That's really the deal. And anything goes in this day and age of social media. The reports start to come out from the top. And when I say that, I mean the NFL networks of the world and um Adam Schefter. It's just the way it works because teams go to those guys and they tell them and whispers occur and there is no circle of trust when it comes to sports, really, and specifically in the NFL. So it's all sort of silly because you'll know stuff. Even today, we might find out some some things. So that that is a lot of what we will do on this morning's show, NCAA and Bears football as well. Good morning officially to you here on this Sunday. I'm Mark Grody. It is great to be with you. I will be here with you until noon this morning. And yeah, we have a lot at 10 o'clock this morning, just to keep in theme with the things I just spoke about. 10 o'clock this morning, Mark Potash of the Chicago Sun-Times will stop by to talk about what the Bears will do in, in the next week. And there are so many moving parts and so much potential for lots to happen. And then the, the, the worst possible thing that could happen for the Bears is that nothing happens for the Bears. So it's all on the table, as I've been telling you the last couple of times that I've been on. At 11 o'clock this morning, my guy, Les Grobstein, who just turned 69, nice, Grobber, knows college hoops. He really does. Like, it is. I remember asking Les Grobstein one time, because I always assumed baseball was his first love just because of his association with the Cubs. Maybe not so much anymore, but at one point in time, like, it's, you know, you go five deep on every single roster since 1940. So, but Grobber, I think his number one love is college hoops, and specifically what I want to get into with him, the reason I want to have Les on, because A, it's fun to have Les on, but B... There are some fun comparisons we could do with Illini basketball because, well, you have this year's version of the Illini. Excellent. You have the 2005 version of the Illini. Great. And the 1989 version of the Illini, which were terrific as well. They were flying, as a matter of fact. And at least for two out of those, well, at least one of them, I should say because I'm not covering the Illini now. 2005, Les and I both traveled with the Illini that year throughout the entire postseason run, so I saw a lot of Les throughout that time, got to know him a little bit better. Um, 
So we were both there. We were there covering Darren Williams and D Brown and Powell and Augustine and all of them boys. So we'll talk about that. And the less has very intimate knowledge of the 1989 Illini as well, with Kendall Gill and Steven Bardo, Nick Anderson and all those, that crew. So it'll be fun to compare the, the three teams, which one is the best flashiest, all that kind of stuff. So I have my opinions. We'll get less as coming up a little bit later on. Also, we got baseball this morning, 940. We're going to talk to uh, Megan Montemuro of the Chicago Tribune. She covers the Cubs every day. She is out in Mesa. One of the topics I want to get into with her is a suspicion that I have based on things that she's been writing and Gordon Whitmire and the rest of the beat writers doing all the work out there in Arizona is that Anthony Rizzo is going to get a contract extension. It sure feels like that's going to happen. We'll ask Megan about that. And if there's any other noise with any of the other potential candidates on the Cubs to get contract extensions because it's getting to be that time because once the season starts, maybe things tighten up and you don't hear about that type of situation. So we'll talk to Megan about that and all things Cubs a little bit later on. I also want to hear from you this morning. Again, it's it's Grody Solo, so I am here until noon today. We are not guest intensive, so if you want to call me, hang out here, please do so. 312-644-6767. That's also the text. If you just want to text, that's totally cool, too. 312-644-6767. I am open on social media, on any of the forums, in particular on Twitter, at Mark Grody Sports is where you can go. And uh, as you know, I will read tweets from my Twitter um, as as they roll in this morning, as they pertain to the show. So a lot going down today. Again, 312-644-6767 is the number. So not only is Illinois going to earn a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, at this point it would be shocking if they did not, is it as obvious to you as it is to me something about Illinois that's pretty cool, other than the fact that they've won six in a row and that they're 22 and six and that they could win the national title. It's become obvious to me that Illinois is quickly becoming, and I I hate that these words are about to come out of my mouth because it is just deep, deep cliche. They are becoming the darlings of college basketball. Have you noticed this? Like watching them on national TV last couple of games, there was a Dickie V game yesterday was Jim Nance in the crew and Grant Hill and it is true. Like, think about Illinois. And I know a lot of you are latecomers to the bandwagon, just like I am. They ha- Illinois has the perfect ingredients to capture national attention. You have the, I think the number one thing is, he's not the number one player on the team, but the number one thing is, is Kofi. You got the big, the great big guy. The massive dude who's bigger than everybody else out on the court who dunks really hard. And there's three guys on him at any time. And he just muscles his way in. It ain't pretty all the time. And he, he's a dunker. But it, there is something about that that is, that is high Q rating for basketball fans, especially in college basketball where everybody's just kind of getting to know things once March hits. Um, so Kofi Coburn is he's a character that resonates well with a national audience. And then, like 1B, and we all know that Io DeSumo is the best player on the team, but he's just an inch behind 
the way the national audience will perceive it, I think, again, the Cobra, the big guy thing. You know, kids love the big guy. But Io, with that mask, man, oh, the smooth superstar from Chicago. Like this, like I said it before, and I'll stand by it. The best thing that happened to Io Desuma this year was getting rocked in the head against Michigan State because now he gets to wear this cool mask. And you know that even if he doesn't have to wear the mask, that mask is staying on for the entire tournament because the approval rating of that mask is at a 10. Like Jim Nance and his crew, they all were funning yesterday by putting the the silly little mask on. Uh, They did like a, a graphic of it, and it's just, there's just, so many layer, so many easy pickings there for a national audience, and not to mention that that he's like the legit superstar player on the on the court in Desumu. So it's easy to resonate with the audience there. And then lastly, is the, everybody loves the flashy freshman, right? Andre Andre Corbello is fun to watch. He's excellent. He's the future, and he's the guy that'll really come under focus next year. But you've got that. You've got the three ingredients there if you're watching Illini basketball for a for a team that is just going to resonate really well with the national audience. Now they're going to have to go ahead and win today against Ohio State, and then and then you can't get eliminated in the first round or all this stuff that I just said goes totally and completely down the drain. The Illini, here's what it is, ready? The Illini are user-friendly for a national audience. Uh, that That's the way... That's the way it goes down. Um, and it, it doesn't hurt, too, that Jim Nance did the, the game yesterday. Like, he's just getting to know them. And like I said, I know a lot of you guys out there getting to know him as well. And let me ask you this. 312-644-6767. And it's okay to admit it. Are, are you just getting to know the Illini? And are you intrigued, fascinated, interesting, or... Or on the other side of this, are you, because I put myself in position of these fans as well, are you a diehard fan who's like, where y'all been? Like, you're the ones who have been putting in the work, going to the small clubs, watching this team develop over the last couple of years, and now everybody's getting on the bandwagon. Do you resent those people? Or are you like, hey, man, more the merrier. 312-644-6767. And then, like, kind of... Uh, a deeper question that I had about college basketball. And I genuinely want to know this. Like, and you know, call, text, whatever. 312-644-6767. Who do you root for in college basketball? Um, like, through the years, like now. Like, I, this is a very complicated college town. Like, I, I, I mean, I think... Everybody knows, and you're probably and certain people of a certain age are probably sick of hearing me talk about this, but and other people as well, because it's let me tell you a story, son, that the the only time in my lifetime where college basketball was consistently big time was in the 80s and then part of the 90s as well, and that was DePaul basketball. It's the only time that college basketball really we could push it just to college sports in general really was treated as a gold club member in this town like with the rest of the professional sports um it was huge and i think some of that had to do with the fact that 
the Bulls were a struggling franchise and the, the old Chicago stadium was not even filling. Like you, you, it was hard to get tickets to the then Rosemont horizon to see DePaul basketball. And then the program came undone. ESPN comes along and WGN's not the only, you know, team in town to, you know, put the, the spotlight on Chicago and DePaul basketball and all that kind of stuff. And the whole thing goes to hell basically. And, it leaves a lot of college basketball fans disenfranchised. Now, I was a DePaul fan for sure. Always rooted for Illinois, though. Like, they were my second team, and I was comfortable with that. Of course, if, if DePaul played Illinois, which they rarely did, did they ever, um, I would always root for DePaul. Um, but I was always down with with Illinois, too. So I genuinely want to know who you root for now. Like, it's – I. It's a weird town, man. Like we just don't get we just don't get down with college sports until now. And the last time this happened was probably 2005 when it was D Brown and Darren Williams and all those guys and everybody sort of was on it and then as soon as it was over everybody got off of the bandwagon. 312644-6767 is the number. Um and Sean Anderson, our executive producer back in our downtown Chicago studios, he is the man to whom you will speak if you do call and uh, he will let me know via text message um who is who is on the horn. So so yesterday's game for Illinois speaking of those those top dogs, Kofi Coburn, 26 points, eight rebounds. Yes, Jim Nance, he's big. I What I really wonder about him, like his NBA stock is definitely on the rise right now. And I think he's probably a second rounder at this point, but I, I, there's going to be a lot of NBA teams are going to look and look at the raw product and say, if this guy keeps getting better, he could be something in the NBA. He outplayed Luca Garza yesterday, who was winded by the end. That was the best part, that last shot that Luca Garza took. <laughs> He's just winded. Like, Coburn did a number on him yesterday. So that that's Kofi. 312-644-6767. Let me go John in Arlington Heights. Hi, John. You're on the score. Yeah, you, you previewed a little of my thunder there on Coburn. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, th- I'm watching him yesterday and thinking, man, Looks a lot like Shaq, from what I remember. Maybe not quite as good as Shaq, but uh, he certainly, you know, if Garz is the player of the year, you got to wonder if he's going to end up uh, an NBA uh, McDermott or something, if uh, that's how he's going to handle being up against big, bigger bodies than him. <laughs> uh, but uh, very impressed with Coburn, and, you know, I've been listening to them um, more this year than seeing them since they haven't been on terrestrial TV very much until now. Got you, man. Thank you, John. I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I have no idea. I, I have a hard time about like because there's so many college basketball players that are great in college basketball and then they become zeros at the NBA level. So I don't know where Luca Garza fits in. Quite frankly, I don't know where Kofi Coburn fits in, but I just know that there's no way that NBA teams aren't looking at him and saying, yeah, I might be able to do something with that. And it's always dangerous to compare guys to Shaquille O'Neal because there are guys that like look like they're close to Shaquille O'Neal, but Shaquille O'Neal is always twice as big as anybody. So <laughs> like, like maybe Kofi, because I remember we used to do that exercise with Eddie Curry. You know, like, oh, he's going to be the next Shaq. And he, he did have the mold, but it just, it was, 
it was never close. Uh, 773, that wasn't Dickie V, Grant Hill, and Jim Nance yesterday. He did the Michigan game. The more the merrier, says the tech. Did I say Dick Vitale? Dick Vitale, I'm, I was talking about the previous game against, I think it was Ohio State that he did, where he kept talking about the flying Illini. So, but you're, you are correct. I think we're on the same page. Maybe I said it incorrectly. And a lot of texters coming in and saying, hey, the more the merrier. Totally cool. Uh, 773, grew up watching DePaul on WGN in the 1980s, attended Indiana University in the 90s. I cheer for the Hoosiers as painful as it's been for the last 25 years. Yeah, see, it's like that, man. It's it's all scattered, and there's, like I said, the, the, there's a lot of us who were disenfranchised by DePaul falling off the map. However, like I said, like I, when I grew up, we were an Illini family for sure, and DePaul. So uh, I'm down with both. How about Andre Curbelo yesterday, too? 12 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists. And it seemed like for him, every play was big yesterday. Like, everything was of consequence. There was a three-play sequence by Corbello yesterday that I wanted to highlight that was just brilliant. Um, he had, it, and this was all in the first half. And it was where Illinois sort of planted their flag. And, you know, the, it, it turned out to be a good game until the end. But Illinois clearly was in control. And I think it started with this three-play sequence. He has a one-hand jam that made it 19-14. And then you got to check this out. This is like this is like a, this is the kind of stuff that coaches love. The long bounce pass from the top of the key down low to Kofi Coburn. Coburn puts it in 21-14 Illini. But the pass was was beautiful. Like it was flashy and practical at the same time. And then it, right after that, the third straight play, a layup by Curbelo makes it 24 to 17. And I thought that they were they were up and running as well. You also had. It can't go undiscussed. The, the, the back-to-back hoops by Jacob Granderson in the second half made it 53-39, to 39, and Illinois was like, we, we're going to go ahead and run away from you. We're, we're seriously considering blowing you out right now, and that's kind of the way it felt, even though it wasn't that literally by the scoreboard. And then as far as Iota Sumu's game yesterday, it was like classic superstar stuff because he had 18 points, but most of I think, what, 12 of those were in the second half. So that he, he was, they were doing the old Bulls thing, try to get the ball down low, establish that. And then when the FBI, Sumu needs to step in and take over and everybody else is back off, he'll do it. So that's kind of the way it went down for the Illini yesterday. Um, eight four seven. And I am asking you, like, who who do you root for? And if you are an Illini fan, do you resent the rest of us jumping on the bandwagon? Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. Huge Illini fan from the eight four seven. Three generations in the family alumni love people jumping on the bandwagon. All right, cool. No, I think that that's that's a pretty good attitude to take into this. I want to hear a couple of of cuts now from Joe Lenardi, who is the ultimate bracketologist, and he was on the afternoon show with Danny Parkins and Matt Spiegel earlier this week. So we're going to get an early, an early opinion on something we're going to talk to less about later on at the 11 o'clock hour, and that's comparing this version of the Illini to the 2005 Illini to the 1989 Illini, but. Joe Lenardi took a crack at that and just how good this Illini team is. Yeah, it's funny you played that clip where Dickie V was going on about the 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 1989 Final Four team because I, I, I did a hit 
I don't know, a week or two ago in, in Chicago, and somebody asked me to compare Illinois this year to 05, right, which lost in the championship game. Yep. And, and I said, I have no idea who's better between 2021 and 05, but I'll take the 89 team. <laughs> and, uh, you know, maybe that's because almost always sports fans think it was better back in the day, right? Like, yeah, they were tougher, they were better, they were meaner, whatever, you know. Like, nobody's ever going to replace the 85 Bears. They could win the next Sean Watson could. (laughs) Well, they they could win the next five Super Bowls, but the 85 Bears are going to be the standard. And and, and then for the people then, it was, you know, the monsters of Midwest. Like, it's always better in the past because we romanticize it. But I think Illinois is terrific. I think that they're the hottest team in the country now, not named Gonzaga. Yeah, and and by the way, those teams like Gonzaga and Baylor, pound for pound, they are better than than Illinois. So we we cannot forget the big picture. But that doesn't mean the Illini don't have as good of a chance as anybody of winning the national title. That was Joel Lenardi on the afternoon show on the score. Um, and this is a good point here, uh, Texter. I'm glad you brought this up from the 773. Mark, don't forget about the Ramblers. Four straight 20-win seasons. An extremely likable coach, no doubt, Porter Moser. Sister Jean, love you. And the only national championship in Illinois college history. That is that is all so true. And and they, they were, you know, when they went to the Final Four a couple of years ago, that was an awesome ride. And then the ride ended and everybody got in their cars and went home. You know, and that's the way, to, that's what it was for Illinois in 05. And that's the way it'll be for Illinois and or Loyola this year. There is something big, like... There is something bigger though about Illinois. I mean, they are like they are the 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 school of record in Illinois. And I love I live in the city. I love city basketball, all that kind of stuff. But Illinois, when Illinois is in it, it is is a bigger deal. But I think to your point that the the Ramblers are an extremely likable story. Everybody dug the story, and that's what I mean. Like that's why I said Illinois is one of the darlings because it's just it's easy pickings. You know what I mean? Like with Loyola, with the whole sister Jean thing, come on underachievers. Like it was just perfect, perfect storm for Loyola to be loved by a nation. And now Illinois has it. They got the big guy. They got the star. They got the freshman. They got the mask. They got all that kind of stuff. So it makes it, it makes it all very easy to, to love and enjoy and be on the bandwagon. One more from Joel Lenardi. Actually, I want, actually, I, I was going to skip the cut about if he thinks Illinois is going to be a number one seed because this was before they won two games in the Big Ten tournament. But now I'm curious as to what he was saying before the Big Ten tournament, is Illinois going to be a number one seed? Let's just listen for kicks. I've heard people say that there's a scenario. I don't see a scenario. I think the one seeds are done. It's rare that they're done. Uh, at this point, what are we, Thursday dinner time mm-hmm. uh, in the East? It, you know, there's always a line somewhere between the teams that are really good and, and a couple, two or three a year that can be elite. Well, this year it happens to be a line after four teams. And, and, and that's rare that there are that many and convenient because we have four regions, right? Uh, so I would say it's just dumb luck that it's four, 
but the fact that they're settled, you know, gives gives people like me one less thing to worry about. Yeah. So I mean, and with the the two wins and whether or not it was settled, it it would it would be dumb if Illinois was not a number one seed. I do have a question, another question for you, Illini fans. By the way, you play Ohio State today in the Big Ten tournament title game. Would you have preferred it be Michigan or not? Did you did you want a piece of Michigan because they won the Big Ten title? Would it have been? Of course, it would have been sweet to beat Michigan. But then you you run you would have run into the danger of, dare I say, losing to Michigan. But Michigan did not cooperate yesterday. They obviously lost to Ohio State, 68 to 67. And there will be a gaggle of Big Ten teams that make the tournament when we all watch the the show later on today, about 4 or 5 o'clock on CBS. And one more from Joel Lenardi. How many Big Ten teams are going to go to the tournament, sir? Uh, there, there are going to be nine, including Maryland and Michigan State, as the eighth and ninth teams in from the league. I, uh, you know, I don't know that I trust Michigan State for a deep run. But when you look at the bubble, there aren't really many, if any, ever who've beaten two ones and a two in the last two weeks of the regular season. So although I'm, you know, vociferously and philosophically opposed to ever taking teams from leagues with losing conference records, uh, if ever a team has, you know, kind of put me on the edge of that rule, uh, the Spartans have in the last two weeks. All right. Well, so so most of the conference will be going to the NCAA tournament this year, which is fun. And I always hope for success in the Big Ten and that the Big Ten doesn't embarrass the, the rest of the country. But we'll be around here in these parts. We'll definitely be focused on Illinois and Loyola, where they're seated, who they're playing, what they're doing, and where they're going. Still to come in this hour on The Score, we're going to talk to Megan Montemurro, the Cubs beat writer for the Chicago Tribune. And then at 10 o'clock, we're going full bears with Mark Potash of the Chicago Sun-Times, the beat writer for those guys. I'm Mark Grody, here till noon with you on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Williamson has it. That'll do it. Loyola, Chicago. The Missouri Valley Conference Championship Game winners. Last time they won it was 2018. And they do it against a feisty Drake team down their top score and top assist man and hoping against hope that things may fall their way for a tournament bid. But the number one seed, Loyola Chicago Ramblers, have beaten the two seed, Drake Bulldogs. Automatic bid right there for the Loyola Ramblers. Welcome back in on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, I'm Mark Grody. we got a Cubs game on the score today. Cubs and Angels at 255. We're going to talk Cubs with Megan Montemurro of the Chicago Tribune about 10 minutes from right now, right about 940 or so. But let's wrap up uh, our college basketball talk. Then I have something on Jason Hayward in this segment, too, that I would like to share with you. So we were talking about Joel Lenardi. He was talking about Illinois and where they should be, and he predicts that they're going to be a number one seed. Duh. And then there's there's Loyola, who got the automatic bid, but probably 
well, I hope they would have been an at-large bid even if they hadn't won the MVC conference title game. But, Lenardi, what, sir, do you think about Loyola and their chances and brackets and seedings for this tournament? Uh, not as high as they should. So, again, you know, I'm, I'm forecasting what the committee would do, not what I would do. Uh, I, I, for me, they would be a six or a seven. I think that they're more likely to be in an eight, nine game and maybe a seven. If, you know, sister Jean can sneak some holy cards into the room. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they should get more respect at this point. Shouldn't they, Danny? I mean, having made a final four run, Cameron Krautwig, the player of the year in the conference is also was a, was on that team that made the run. Why Joe? Why? Why the disrespects, Joe? I don't think it's disrespect. I think it's, I think it's just the reality of who they play, right? Like, you know, their best win this year is at Drake, and and that's a very good win. But you know, they played at Wisconsin, a six seed, and they lost. They played a neutral game against Richmond, a bubble team that's not going to make it, and they lost. So. For everybody who speaks on their behalf in the committee room, somebody's going to get up and say, who did they beat that we should put him ahead of? Right? I mean, it, it's not their fault. That's the league that they're in, and that's the schedule that they played, and that's all that the pandemic allows. Uh, but it's not an unreasonable position to take from the committee standpoint. All right, that's Joel Lenardi, and it all makes sense, man. It is, God, I hate it. It is what it is. It's the Missouri Valley Conference. It's Loyola, mid-major, all that kind of stuff, no matter how much progress the program has made. That's just what you got to deal with sometimes. So, I don't know. I don't like playing the <laughs> the disrespect game and all that. Like, there's a lot of heavyweights that are going to be the heavy seeds always in the NCAA tournament, and that they're, they're, they're going to the tournament, and hopefully they will Loyola – will do do damage. Like I said, we're going to talk Cubs here in about five minutes or so. Jason Hayward has become a fascinating player for the Cubs. And he there there is a great relationship between Jason Hayward and and David Ross. The two were teammates in Atlanta when when Hayward was, you know, a youngin and I think he looked to Ross as something of a mentor. When Hayward came to the Cubs he, I remember he he bought suites for David Ross to uh, David Ross the player to stay in at every hotel. So whenever you know, and I was traveling with the Cubs at that time, the grandest hotels, uh, the grandest rooms and the grandest hotels were always occupied by David Ross because of of Jason Hayward, and David Ross is they, those two guys are tight, and. Now, this is really interesting. A quote here I'm going to read to you from Jason Hayward. And this, this shows you not only how much he loves David Ross, but it's a subtle, maybe not even intentional shot at, at Joe Madden. But here is, here's what Hayward says. Quote, if I'm 0 for 4 or 4 for 4, I still help our team win a lot of ways, in a lot of ways. So knowing that he, David Ross, believes in that and playing the game that way and allowing me to just help everyone else settle into their roles too. It was nice to know going into the box every day, this is obviously last year, that I'm going to get a chance to play. I'm going to get a chance to fail, to struggle, and to come up out of that. 
So you can see the part with where he's, you know, referencing perhaps Joe Madden, where he was all over the lineup and at times wasn't playing, which I actually understood. I like the way Joe Madden handled them because you can only handle so many ground outs to second base over a two-week period. So I actually understood it. I think Cubs fans understood it as well. But but you look at Jason Hayward as a whole. Okay, ahead of the 2016 season, he gets, he signs the, the eight-year, $184 million deal with the Cubs, which which looked great. I mean, this is like five-tool player, guy on the rise, young, all like fits in perfectly with the core. But really, it, it was about his skills as a player that you were like, this this is a superstar. Maybe the best of anybody on the Cubs, even though they had all these great core members. So he's not lived up to expectations on the field. He just hasn't. And, he, and he's been better the last couple of years, had a good year last year. But he's actually being evaluated differently. He's being evaluated as a great defensive player and as a leader. And it's very rare in this town or anywhere else when a guy that makes that much money gets through the hard part. Because there were some hard part. I mean, there there was booing occasionally, people coming down on Jason Hayward, whether it was on Sports Talk Radio or in the papers or whatever the case may be. It's not like he, he's, he sailed smoothly through all of his struggles and not living up to expectations. But now he's being graded differently. A, by David Ross, as you could you could hear in that quote from Jason Hayward, saying that he, he wants to be a leader and help other players, and that role has been accepted. And I think, and I should ask you this, Cubs fans, 312-644-6767, you've accepted him as a different player, a different role, and kind of the exception to the rule, like, hmm, all right, you get a, you get a pass. Because you are a great leader, you did you gave the speech in 2016. There's a lot of points that went to Hayward for that. The defense is absolutely stellar and still Gold Glove worthy, but he doesn't do at the plate what he was brought here to do. Even though it's been better, yes, I watched the Cubs last year, so I, it's it's interesting because a lot a lot of those guys would either be gone by now, boot off the field, or you know just having a rough go in Chicago, not only is Hayward, I think, very popular, or gotten more popular now, even though he's done less, he loves Chicago, he loves being a Cub, and he, I like, I think he might be a guy, Hayward, who stays in Chicago even after his career is over. So, yeah, I just, I think it's interesting the way things have evolved and things have been accepted for, for Jason Hayward, and good for him. Good for him, too, um, because, again, having covered him, he, he is a great guy, and he does make a difference. There is a, a noticeable difference when Jason Hayward is in that clubhouse for the Cubs in terms of what he does for other players and taking his turn at the mic as well. There's only one player on the Cubs that I think likes being a Cub more than Jason Hayward, and that's Anthony Rizzo. We'll talk about him next with Megan Montemurro of the Chicago Tribune. I'm Mark Grody on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Uh-oh. This ball is loud toward right center field, and it has a chance to fly, and it will. With a great spring, and his first season as a Cub continues for Jock Peterson. Two for two, two home runs this afternoon. And he has five already on the spring, and it's March 11th. John Peterson's on a mission, man. He can play every day. 
Don't need to platoon him, and he'll hit the ball out of the park. That's a good guy to have on your team this year because he is <laughs> he is well-motivated and seemingly poised for a big season. Mark Grody back with you on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, I am here with you until noon today. We were just talking about Jason Hayward and the, the different type of value that he brings to the Cubs than the value he was supposed to bring to the Cubs and a texter with a great comp. Texture says, Jay Hay is the Cubs version of Thad Young. He serves a bigger purpose than his stats. That's 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 nailing it right there. Because, it, like I said, his stats are getting better. His offense is improving. But he's never lived up to the $184 million contract. But he's played through it. And it hasn't always been pretty. And he's gotten to a point where that's it. He is an extremely important part of the Cubs, even if it is more because of his defense and the leadership that he provides. Let's talk more about the Chicago Cubs now as we bring in live from Mesa, Arizona. She is Megan Montemura, the beat writer for the Chicago Tribune. Good morning, Megan. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am doing well. Let me let you weigh in on Jason Hayward before we get to some other topics. The relationship with Hayward and Ross might be just as tight as as any on this team. How important is Jason Hayward to this version of the Chicago Cubs? I think he's really important. And, you know, he's kind of an afterthought, you know, once you go through, obviously, Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, um, you know, obviously his first couple seasons in Chicago contributes to that. But he's really taken on more of a leadership role behind the scenes, Um, you know, a common theme, uh, the first couple of weeks of camp, you know, talking to people that joined the organization, they they all referenced how you know Hayward was the guy to reach out to them and call them and welcome to welcome them to the organization and the team. And you know, I think it's something that's happened organically over the years. Um, and it's it, he's recognized that it's a role that needs to be filled. And I do think um, David Ross, you know, being the manager is a big part of that. He, he feels comfortable in, in knowing the expectations that are there for him. He knows that, you know, good or bad day, he should be in the lineup for the most part the next day. And he kind of talked a lot about that, um, this past week in that, you know, four for four, oh for four, you know, Ross is going to play him. And, and he felt like that contributed to his success last year and I know it's a small sample size everything has to kind of be taken a little bit with a grain of salt um with you know the the shortened season last year but you know those those were a lot of really encouraging numbers that trended much more to his early years in Atlanta so maybe he doesn't have quite that level of production this year but you know even if he is a little bit above league average in some areas combine that with his leadership I mean you know I, I think he's a really important guy to this team does that get tricked? Like, if if he does struggle, and you're right, he, I mean, he could be, again, one of the best overall players on the Cubs this year, but because of what Hayward is saying about Ross and Ross reciprocating it, if he does go into, like, a prolonged slump, does it, does it get complicated then between Ross and Hayward if Ross feels like he does have to make a move? I think it really depends on the overall offensive lineup and how it's performing. I mean, you can survive – a guy or two, you know, going through a slump, you know, and it happens over the course of the season, pretty much for every player. The, the problem will be is, you know, if, if he's struggling, if, if Peterson's struggling, if, you know, another key guy in the infield is struggling, then, then, you know, Ross is going to have some decisions to make, which could be further complicated 
you know, depending on how long they potentially carry a four-man bench, you don't have a lot of options to turn to. And when you look at who they could build their bench with, they're not exactly offensive guys. Um, So it, it definitely could be a challenge, but, you know, for now, Hayward sounds like he's in a really great place. And I think that trust that, you know, he has in Ross to let him kind of just go do his thing um, and kind of let him work through the highs and lows of the natural <laughs> season um, plays a big part in that. That's Megan Montemurro of the Chicago Tribune. I'm Mark Grody here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. All right, Anthony Rizzo, it sounds like there a lot of the things that I'm quotes that I'm seeing from your pieces and others, a lot of positive things coming out of the mouth of Rizzo in regards to a potential contract extension. Do you think the Cubs and Rizzo are going to get something done before the season starts? Yeah, I mean, he always seems like the ideal one out of the three to get something done before the start of the season. Um, and, you know, he's he's made clear that, you know, how much he loves the city. And I, and I, I think it's pretty obvious that he wants to, to stay here for, for the rest of his career. And so I think when you have that kind of mutual understanding, and he's at a different point of, in his career than um, Brian Torbaez, who's a little bit older, um, you know, he's probably he, he wouldn't get the same kind of years potentially or, or maybe even money that he would um, being a free agent. He'll, he'll be 32 in August. So I think it's easier to find middle ground with someone in that part of their career than it is for a guy like Brian Turbias, where maybe you want to go out there and, and see what the market <laughs> shows you what your value is or how they value you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, he basically kind of indicated that there's an opening day deadline for extension talks that, you know, come April 1st when they take the field against the Pirates at Wrigley that he wants to be focused on baseball and the team and, and not be worrying or thinking about money or, you know, the future. So it'll be interesting to see if, if they can, you know, get something done in these next two to three weeks. Do you think he, well, I guess obviously he is, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll phrase this question differently than I was in my brain just now. Why do you think Rizzo would be willing to play through what could be a couple of rough years or a semi-rebuild? Yeah, so he was asked about that, and you know, because he did say that the direction of the franchise is, is really important to him, and and I think it's fair to wonder that, but... I think he looks around and, you know, he sees a guy like Nico Horner in camp and, you know, a guy that really committed in the off season to improving and preparing himself for, you know, a full 162 game season. Um, you know, you still obviously have a guy in Kyle Hendricks. Um, you, you have some younger pieces slowly coming up in the minors, guys like Brennan Davis, you know, Miguel Amaya, people that have, those are two guys that have been in camp. Um, and, you know, and you still know that, you know, you're going to have Jason Hayward still the next couple of years, whatever, you know, that iteration of him might look like, you know, through the duration of his contract. You have a guy like Ian Happ, um, you still have Wilson Contreras, Contreras, and, you know, he's seen, he's seen how the team has kind of approached things the last few years with, you know, some of the trades they've made. Um, but he sounded confident that, you know, it's just part of the business and um, that, you know, he can bring back another world series title to Chicago. So, I mean, from, from the way he spoke and, you know, the confidence that uh, he seemed to exude, he seems to think that, you know, this team is heading in the right direction and, 
you know, I, I don't know if he would consider staying if, if he didn't actually believe that. Well, that's probably a good sign for, for Cubs fans that are listening right now. If, if Rizzo believes or is buying into what maybe the blueprint is for the Cubs, that's going to suggest good things in the future. All right, what about the other two guys? Because we know there's, there's three that we're playing this game with. What about Baez and Chris Bryant and possibilities of extension or trade? Well, I mean, between the two, I mean, Baez, you know, when we first talked to him in spring, made very clear that he wants to stay in Chicago. And, you know, for him, he has a situation where, you know, if he reaches free agency, you know, there's obviously a lot of other top-tier shortstops that are potentially going to be on the market if those guys don't reach extensions with their teams either. So it's definitely a more crowded situation for him, um, which, you know, could be a good or bad thing. Obviously, there will be a lot of – teams competing potentially for those caliber players but he also sounds very happy with where he's at and and wanting to stay in Chicago so you know I think that bodes well you know when you have that level of public interest and you know Chris Bryant is Chris Bryant I mean I I I think it's clear that you know he he enjoys his time here too and it'll be interesting because uh, I think it was like right at the beginning of spring training or coming into it um Jed Hoyer basically kind of reference like you know we can't keep all three of them like that you know it's not necessarily realistic so I think bringing back two of the three is definitely a possibility um it'll just be interesting to see kind of you know who wants to get you know put in the time and, and effort to really try and get something done before the season starts and, and who potentially is more content with reaching free agency and, and testing the market which again wouldn't necessarily rule out coming back to the Cubs but um, I think, you know, the the whole JT Real Muto, Real Muto free agency kind of shows that, that you can test it and still go back to the team you're with. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that transpires. You know, obviously, it's uh, you're starting to kind of get into the final weeks of, of camp. So, you know, if something's going to happen, it's going to happen relatively soon. Megan, great information. Thank you very much. Uh, enjoy your coverage in Mesa. Enjoy the, I guess, the Cubs uh, Angel. Cubs and Joe Madden today, right? Uh, I think, yeah, I think that is correct. <laughs> they are. Isn't that funny how, like, neither I, of us knew? The days day start all, uh, they, they start bleeding together. But, yes, they are playing the Angels <laughs> at Stone Park today. <laughs> I, no, I totally understand. Yeah, you're the beat writer. And I'm the person who works for the, the station that carries the Cubs, and we both had to look at our notes just now. That's that's spring training yeah. in a nutshell, right there. Yeah, you got so. you got you always got to check the uh, the dates and the day. Uh huh. <laughs> no doubt, Megan. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right. Thanks. All right. That is uh, Megan Montemurro of the the Chicago Tribune. Yeah, Bryant. Like the thing with Bryant is here's here's what I would really love to know about Chris Bryant, and I know Chris a little bit from covering the Cubs, but. I don't, I don't, I don't know what he wants. Of course, he says he loves playing with the Cubs, and he probably would love to be like in the mid. Here's what I think Chris Bryant wants. He just wants to, he wants like a, he wants to know where he's going to be and just be there for the rest of his career. Yes, he loves Chicago. He loved just a 10-year contract. Leave me alone. Let me play baseball. Let me hit home runs. Let me talk to the media. Let me be friendly, Chris. He does, he hates all this other ancillary peripheral stuff, and and I don't think he cares where he is playing baseball as long as he doesn't have to answer questions about contracts and trades and free agency and all that kind of stuff. He's a very simple guy. All right, coming up next, Bears. We're going to talk to Mark Potash of the Chicago Sun-Times about all things Bears. It's Grody and Potash is next on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score.